Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios, it's time for Women in Motion. Brought to you by WBEC West. Join forces, succeed together. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Women in Motion brought to you by our friends at Webeck West. And today's topic is the food industry, putting food and beverages on our tables. And we're going to learn from a lot of several experts in this space. We have Rhonda Bosnardo with Caesars. We have Laura Briscoe with Laura's Gourmet and Michelle Freeman with Venice Beach Beverage. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Before we get too far into things, I'd like to kick it off with Rhonda to discuss maybe some of the trends she's seeing out in the industry today. Or is anything catching your eye? Uh, There's a lot of new fun things out there. Plant-based and natural foods are huge right now. Also, you know, for the vegan and just, you know, crowds that have health conscious or, you know, meat-free, dairy-free type of diets in mind. They are huge right now. Every food show that I go to, there's a very big portion of plant-based items. So I definitely see a lot there. Uh, People are health conscious now more than ever. A lot of bright and natural colors, you know, different fruits and varieties, things like that now that that are out there that you've never seen. And believe it or not, finger foods. A lot of finger foods, a lot of really small desserts. So the little tiny one bite type of desserts are a huge trend right now because restaurants were noticing that a lot of desserts people either didn't want because they were too full or, you know, they would take a few bites and waste the rest of it. So it's a lot of waste. So now, yeah, little finger items and and small desserts are, are really popular. Now, Rhonda, can you explain for our listeners that maybe they're not familiar with Caesars is a brand that we're all familiar with, but there's lots and lots of kind of brands underneath that umbrella, right? Oh, yeah. So we have, of course, Caesars as our brand. We have a lot of casinos that people don't understand that are owned by Caesars. I, you know, just go out there, Google Caesars Entertainment, and you'll be surprised at all of the casinos across the United States that we own. I think it's right around that it's it's at least 50 properties right now we keep changing every day so it's it's a lot across the board and then we have many different restaurants some owned by us and some that are not owned by us that are in each casino so um, a lot of different a lot of different things now when you're talking about a trend in in food and beverage how do you kind of take that trend and then sprinkle it through all of the brands that you represent to make sure that it's a right fit in each place. Yeah. So it's different in each region, right? So the East Coast, West Coast, very different. Sometimes things start over on the West Coast and then move their way to the East. Seems to be, you know, the case most of the time. And it also, you know, just depends on local sourcing and and everything. But what we do is we, we go to these food shows, we see what trends are out there. We talk to a lot of vendors and chef. And then what we do is we send all of these things out to our chefs and procurement department to share amongst their properties. And um, yeah, then we start to source things that they're interested in or that they see um, that's going to work in their properties. Uh, We do a lot of cuttings, which are going to properties, sitting with the chef and uh, tasting different things trying different things, um, 
you know, there's there's a lot that goes in in the background that a lot of people don't realize. Now, Laura, um, can you share a little bit about Laura's Gourmet? How are you serving folks? So Laura's Gourmet actually is uh, the the chef brand. So we have a few different things under our umbrella. The most uh, widely known is Laura's Gourmet Granola. Uh, Laura's Gourmet Granola has been a retail product for just over 19 years, and we've been supplying food service for 16. And that's actually a much bigger piece of our business, which is great for me as a chef. It's a wonderful conversation when you're doing, uh, you're speaking with other chefs about how you can integrate your products into their menus, uh, talking to F and B, uh, and then also uh, identifying places on property if it's a hotel where you can integrate a retail product as well. But in terms of, um, so our products are available nationally uh, for both retail and food service. And um, what stands out around our, our granola is that everything that we do is certified gluten-free, uh, certified kosher non-dairy, um, also certified women-owned, as you know. But also um, of our 10 SKUs, seven of them are vegan. But the thing that's interesting about it is that all of those certifications are just happen to be because as a chef driven product, we always look to do things as naturally as possible uh, and as cleanly as possible because at the end of the day, we're looking for the trifecta of taste, texture, and mouthfeel. And when you start incorporating other things that are not natural, then you also bring in um, textures and, and flavors that are not um really good for what you're trying to achieve. So uh, so I like to talk about our products being chef-driven, but happen to be so that there's no sacrifice to the flavor profile. Um, you know, there are a lot of trends out there, and I agree um, with everything that was just shared. Um, but uh, what I really love seeing is some of the international flavors making their way into um, the American palate. And I don't mean just the, the low-hanging fruit, but uh, when I walked a show back in June, uh, being able to capture things coming out of Asia that we don't have yet or things coming out of um, Italy even, where you think that we've seen everything, we haven't. So being able to find ways to incorporate that into our product line, into subsequent lines that we're introducing uh, is uh, – and, and, and doing it in a way that meets the very needs of the American palate is um, it, it's a fun chef challenge to have. Now, do you think that chef driven brands like yourself are the ones that are kind of leading the charge here that the trends are starting with you? You're able to connect dots maybe in some creative ways that the larger entities um, are kind of following your lead. You know, that's a great question because there's two ways to look at that. There's chef driven where everything we're doing is based on the ingredients, right? The naturalness of the ingredient and, um, and manipulating it in a way that uh, creates that recipe. But then the other way is if you look at it from a nutritional standpoint. So there are a lot of products out there that are driving for that, right? They're looking to offer you know, a probiotic or a prebiotic or something along those lines in their product, which may or may not influence the taste in a positive way. So I personally, I prefer the chef driven way because there we know that you're, you know, we're not going to put something out that doesn't taste amazing. Uh, but we're also going to ensure that it has the attributes that people are looking for. Now, Michelle, can you share a little bit about Venice Beach Beverage? How are you serving folks? Well, I like to call Venice Beach Beverage health without the hassle. Um, Venice Beach Beverage is a line of products that are from family recipes and uh, plant-based, shelf-stable, all-natural vitamin teas 
with 100% daily vitamins in every can. I'm a Midwest girl who was planted in California. Uh, Venice was my happy place, thus the name. We've had the trademark since 2008, didn't launch till 2020. That's planning. (laughs) So uh, we waited until uh, I was retired and my husband was retired to start our business. The nice thing about our products are they actually imagine if sweet tea was healthy. That's what I like to tell people about our original vitamin iced tea. Then we also have a 35 calorie ginger tea with 5,000 milligrams of organic cold pressed ginger juice. There's a lot of products out there with too many additives and too many things that aren't good for you. You have to have something that's healthy and that someone actually wants to drink. Um, I am a big advocate of if it's nasty, I don't want it. So that's the rule number one. I like uh, hearing Laura talk about uh, chef driven because I'm taste driven and um, I, I totally get what she's saying. It has to taste good. That well, You're wasting your time otherwise. Um, we have less than five milligrams of caffeine in our tea. So that way you're not jittery. I'm trying to alleviate uh, the issues that the everyday health enthusiast has. There's so many people, uh, north, south, east, and west, that want uh, to do better. They want to a better beverage, but they don't want to sacrifice taste for themselves and their family. So that's what I'm here for. So I'd like to throw this out uh, to the group. Let's talk about your target audience. Um, Do you have a target audience in mind or is this something that you have a passion about and you're putting it out to the world and then you're just hoping that the target audience finds you? Oh, no, you better have a target audience. A hundred percent target audience. Yes. You're going to waste a lot of money. You you don't just cross your fingers and and close your eyes and hope. That's just not with the product. That's not that's not healthy. (laughs) So then that being the case, then you have uh, a, a a persona of who that person is and then you are um, marketing towards that person. Correct. The everyday health enthusiast that's looking for better beverage options for themselves and their family. There's a uh, whole thing that uh, the the powers that be age, demographic, where does this person work? What does this person do? How many children does this person have? All of that. There's so many um, things that go into finding out your specific target audience. And it is different for uh, our different lines. Uh, Because of our 35 calorie uh, ginger tea, um, everyone thought, oh, she must be vegan. I am not. But I make a product. That is, and that's very good for you. There's there's some overlap with uh, the people that enjoy our products, and I'm happy about that. Yeah, to to uh, dovetail on that, you know, uh, when we look at our target audience, first and foremost, the thing that comes to mind are people who consider themselves to be foodies, right? Those who are looking at things that are more elevated, uh, the, the the combination of flavors, uh, and in addition to that, then we look at those who are layering a different type of lifestyle or want to just have a day where this is, you know, they're going to be enjoying something that they know is better for their body, even if it's not their every day. 
Uh, but, you know, we've targeted the higher end of the market in terms of retail, the specialty uh, stores specifically because we are an artisan crafted product and we can't sit successfully on a shelf next to a, a, a granola that is full of not better for you ingredients that are also that's also being sold for a third of the price. We'll never win that game. And that's not an educated consumer that we're going after anyway. We're going after the people who pick up a bag and flip it over and look at a label and understand that seven ingredients can really taste this good. Uh, so um, I did a I did a small um, artisan market uh, a few weeks ago that was local to Arizona. And what I really found interesting was that everyone who attended that was a self-proclaimed foodie. And every single one of them were going berserk over the product because they felt like they had just had their first taste of what granola was meant to be, not what is normally billed as granola. So so target market 100%. Yeah, and that's so exciting when you see people. I've had people. Oh, I don't. I don't like ginger. I don't. You don't like ginger with all of the additives, powders, syrups, and oils in it. If you had organic, cold pressed ginger, that's a different thing. It's smooth enough for my grandchildren to drink. That's another thing that I really like, and I hear that a lot. Oh my gosh, this is really good, and they look surprised. Well, yes, I wouldn't have done this otherwise. Thank you. So um, it's really important to uh, offer something that is beneficial. You know how many people juice every day and don't want to? Do you know how messy it is? And I bet a lot of uh, people that you know have a juicer. They don't want to do it. It's dirty. It's uh, messy. It's time consuming. It's expensive. And now you can have a better ginger juice and you didn't have to do anything to get it. That's what I like. And I put and not only that, it's consistent every time, right? You're giving them Bingo. exactly the consistency and the quality because you don't necessarily get that if you try to make it yourself. Exactly. So Exactly. And your kitchen is a whole lot cleaner. <laughs> now, when you both were when you both were starting, did you have this kind of persona in mind, or was this something after you developed the product and then you realized, hey, this is the the target for this? Like, did you, the idea come first, or did the uh, audience come first? Well, in my case, the idea came first. These are my grandmother's tea recipes. I was fortunate enough to uh, marry a gentleman who grew up in Japan and Taiwan, Air Force kid, and learned how to make proper Japanese tea at a very young age. What are the odds of that? Um, fast forward, um, he has been in the beverage industry for over 30 some years. He was actually vice president of Coca-Cola. So when you have a person that's right next to you, that's your best friend, with all of that helpful information on quality control, logistics, manufacturing, fleet, and then you put that with really good recipes, then you get an opportunity to uh, check out the market to see who likes what and to find out, hey, there's a lot of there's a lot of people just like me who want a healthier alternative, but aren't diehard enough to do it every day themselves. And vitamins I can't begin to tell you how many emails I get from people. Oh, I hate taking vitamins. I forget they're in my um, cabinet. It's a pain. But you don't have to now. You're welcome. And it is very difficult to uh, make vitamins taste good in a um, beverage. Very, very difficult. That's why you don't see any other ones but us. So I'm very, very proud of that. Yeah, in our case, our it was an organic 
happy accident. So uh, I changed careers. I went to culinary school. And after culinary school, I started my first company, which was focused on doing private fine dining and events and culinary instruction. And during that startup phase over the first year and a half or so, I started playing with a recipe for granola for my own enjoyment. And I kept modifying it and modifying it, taking out ingredients that I can't eat personally that just don't work for my body um, and trying to find something that reminded me of my college years and consuming boxes of granolas during finals. And um, after a lot of it was actually several months of just, I don't know why, I was just on this mission and having been fully trained now on recipe development with culinary school, I was documenting everything. And just like any time you bake something, you have more than you want and you give it away. So I was sharing it at my daughter's soccer games. I was giving it to friends, my personal trainer, whatever the case was. And people started asking for it. And they asked for it a lot. So my best friend suggested I should think about selling it. And at the time, and for the next 15 years, I did sell it, um, but not proactively. It was, you know, I just, I placed it at our local retailer and that became a second retailer. And then that became a food, a, a very large restaurant chain asking us to make it for food service. And finally, 15 years later, I figured I had to pick a team between running my private fine dining and elegant events or doing uh, Laura's Gourmet. And so since 2019, it has been with intention. And since that time, we have weathered 2020 and have grown significantly since then uh, with our most recent rollout last week, as a matter of fact, with Fresh Time. So um, so there's a lot to be said for um, happy accidents and then finally waking up and listening to the universe. So and a lot of planning behind that. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Now, Rhonda, how does it work in an enterprise like Caesars that's so large? Does the audience come first or does the idea come first? Um, I would say the audience comes first. Um, You know, the same thing. So we have people asking for things a lot. And when you see that becoming popular and asked for a lot, we start looking. Um, I would say it would be a little bit of both because sometimes our chefs come up with ideas from what they're seeing as well. And And then we go out uh, looking for the items that we need that match that profile. So um, I would say just, you know, the consumer uh, and what they want uh, is where we get most of our ideas from. So now let's shift gears a little bit and talk about some of the challenges that are facing the food industry today. Uh, Rhonda, we'll start with you. What, What are some of the challenges that Caesars is facing? Uh, challenges on our side is just, um, you know, just the supply chain still um, with inflation. Um, also, just being able to get the product that we want to get in in a timely fashion and for it to be available. You know, we still have a lot of um, problems from COVID uh, that are still trickling down with just, you know, companies that are just getting back. Um, and up and moving again with being able to produce the amount of volume that we need. So, um, and also getting professionals in the door that are qualified, you know, chefs, a lot of them moved out of being a chef and moved into different lines of work uh, during COVID because all the restaurants were closed for so long. So, you know, getting our our employee, employee base, you know, back up to where it, it used to be and needs to be. 
So has that become kind of an opportunity for Caesars to acquire some talent that may be available now that wasn't in the past? Yes, absolutely. And some new talent. You know, um, it, it also helps for new talent out there that are looking to get into these type of restaurants or this type of business um, that maybe didn't have that availability before because we had people here that were, you know, there for so long and there was no opening. So a lot of new talent that's out there. There, there are so many talented chefs out there. I mean, you watch the shows on TV. It's a real thing. Um, you know, there are so many just naturally talented and, you know, internet-based, you know, chefs that that really are looking for some type of way to get in. And, and now's the time. Laura, what are some of the challenges that you're facing? So currently, the I think some of the challenges that are most, um, so logistics, there seems to be always a challenge with logistics in moving ingredients in and moving product out. Um, I don't know what's changed except for what we've all experienced, but it just feels like every time there's a little bit of a, of a struggle, um, even uh, with, with some of our logistics partners. And then weather has definitely played a role as well. I mean, yes, there's supply chain issues and being able, we're able to get product now that we weren't able to before as timely and prices have come down a little bit, but we've seen weather now impacting some of the ingredients that we usually could get very, very easily. And now we see lead times that we hadn't experienced before. So that's always something to, you know, get your heart rate up when you're not wanting it to go up. Um, so, uh, and, you know, and then in terms of hiring, you know, we had, had some challenges in hiring and of late um, we have seen people really, um, really get entrenched in the, the business and are happy working in our packaging and manufacturing. Um, it's uh, exciting to see that. And I think that's born from the culture that the company has overall. And then the direction from our production manager for our team uh, to really make them feel like a team. So uh, so that's one of the ways that we're surmounting that type of challenge. But I'm, there's a laundry list, I'm sure. And um and sometimes it's just a challenge working with some of our distribution partners, um, you know, just throws a wedge in here and there. So you have to keep your eye open for that. Michelle? The main challenge uh, that we faced, we handled our second year. This is our third year in business. And that was, I don't want a co-packer. So we purchased our own production facility. This way we are not obligated and uh, bound to someone putting us on the back of the line when someone bigger comes, making you uh, produce more than you need, losing money on that. That was very important to us because this is our money. We did not get funded for this company. I saved my um, entire paycheck for over 15 years to start this when we retired. So I, like I said, I'm a Midwest girl and I'm extraordinarily frugal. So I want to make sure that I am utilizing our money in its best capacity. So we got a production facility and that helped us um, alleviate a lot of the pain and difficulty that a lot of new businesses start with. With um, my husband's background in manufacturing, uh, I had no problems with worrying about, ooh, should I get this? Should I do this? What to do? Because that's not my wheelhouse. I stay in my lane and he stays in his lane. And it works out very well for us that way. And oh, one more thing. 
I was not aware that so many uh, different uh, stores are paid to play to the extent that they are. We're in about 550 stores nationwide. And as of yet, we do not pay for slotting. We're in hotels, we're in golf uh, country clubs and things like that all over the place. And I'm very appreciative for those independent grocery stores, hotels, and things like that. Very grateful that I don't have to pay thousands of dollars just to have the privilege of sitting on their shelf. I know that in the future that I will have to do that. But for right now, I'm going to try to collect every single store that appreciates our product for what it is and not have to pay to play and actually not make any money. Now, uh, Michelle, do you mind explaining what pay-to-play is for the folks who aren't familiar with that? Oh, sure. Um, Big grocery stores will charge you anywhere from $500 to $1,000 a skew just to sit on their shelf. Then there's in-cap. That's when you walk past a... um, past a shelf and uh, the end cap on the end when you're going from aisle to aisle that they charge for that. Then a lot of these stores, even if it's you, no one can talk about Venice Beach beverage better than I, but they ask you to have someone else, a company come in and uh, do sampling for you instead. I've gone as far as Puerto Rico to do samplings for our stores. So I'm not above (laughs) getting on a plane and going. Um, These are the things that grocery stores have uh, allocated as this is what you have to do. And it kind of started in the beverage industry when the top three beverages uh, in the U.S. said, hey, we want to be at eye level and we're going to pay you to be there. And then they realized, hey, everyone can do that. And so now to be in these stores, and these are very popular stores, people are very interested in being in them because they're so big. But I would rather have 550 independent stores where they're actually purchasing it Um, I don't have to worry about, oh, I've got to make this many sales or I get kicked out in six months and uh, just all of that added money. You would be surprised at how many people are in stores right now and they don't make a dime because they're giving all the money back because of the pay to play system. So I'm uh, pray for me. I'm trying to stay away from that as long as humanly possible. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of folks aren't familiar that uh, with that. They think that everybody earned their spot on the shelf, but people are paying to be in eye level. Well, to 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 clarify that, though, you do earn your spot within right. that chain. Okay, it's not like you just said, "I'm going to give you fifty thousand, put me on the shelf." Right. So you do have to go through an evaluation process. They do category reviews. Uh, for your products, you go through tastings, cuttings, just like Rhonda experience, uh, shared earlier. But if they select you, depending on the size of the chain, then there is normally some type of a fee involved. And it could be like, um, just as Michelle shared, anywhere from $500 to several thousand per SKU per item. Um, but uh, But you do earn that spot. What I think the average consumer doesn't understand though is it there's two parts to this one for a retailer 
while they it may look at the at the high level like their margin is so great like they may have layered maybe 35% onto the cost from the distributor that just that margin gets whittled down very very quickly between all the SKUs that they're carrying, the management of it, all the people that they're, you know, that are in store, uh, et cetera, damage, loss, what have you. Um, so, uh, so there's that piece of it. But also, anytime you see an item on sale in a grocery store, a buy one, get one, or it's $2 off or whatever, that money is actually coming out of the manufacturer's pocket, not the grocery store, unless you have a partnership with them where they might step up and share in some of the uh, in some of the, um, uh, the 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 coupon, if you will. So my favorite thing is when someone reaches out to me from Wisconsin and said, "Oh my God, your product's on sale at you know XYZ." I'm super excited, and I'm thinking, "Yes, I'm paying for that. I am well aware that that is on sale there uh, because we made that happen." So there's just a lot. If someone is planning on launching a retail product, I mean, the number one thing I would suggest to them is go and talk to somebody who's been doing it for a while. It is, it's, it's challenging. It's hard. Just like Michelle, we're bootstrapped. We have been since the beginning and it's expensive. If you don't know what you're walking into, you are at huge risk. Um, I've been fortunate enough to learn over the last 19 years as I went, but we had some hard lessons, um, really hard lessons. It's, it's, um, it's got its challenges. So is it still fun? Well, it's fun for me because this is actually something I chose to do. I retired at 40, so I've been patiently waiting for my husband to retire so that we could do this. This is something that I've always wanted to do. So in trust, there are much better ways to to spend your uh, retirement money. (laughs) There's a lot of easier things to do. So I wouldn't suggest, uh, hey, start a business at 57. I wouldn't... (laughs) I wouldn't necessarily suggest that for everyone. But for me, this is something that has been in the patient making, dreaming, hoping, praying for, for a very, very long time. And I'm extremely happy and extremely proud that um, we've been able to do this. And you have everyone has their quitting days where you wake up and go, my God why did I do this? And then you have those other days where you're like, I'm so glad that I'm doing this. I could burst. So it's with any, it's like any other job, you know, you have your good days and you have your bad. And luckily the good outstripped the bad by without a doubt. Far outpaced. Yeah. We wouldn't without be doing it if it didn't. And it is, yes, it is still fun. And it's not just still, it is fun because as owners of the business and being the entrepreneurs who created the products and knowing that we have more products that we're bringing to market uh, and seeing the impact that it has on people and hearing from them about what a change it has made in their lives, whether, you know, no matter what, you know, who or where that person is, um, you know, that is, I I think the word is rewarding that I I think it's so much more rewarding than anything I can put my finger on. You know, um, there's, there is a lot to be said for knowing that you've put something out there that no one else has done before because you're doing it in a way that no one else has done before and you're supporting it in a true authentic and transparent way that, um, that just, that lights you up, that keeps you moving forward. That, um, yeah. 
Now, Rhonda, where do you find the joy in the work that you're doing? Um, actually, just bringing the food to the table in our restaurants, just finding, um, you know, like these businesses, just listening to uh, these ladies and that passion. You know, I I look for that passion. I can go to a, a huge floor filled with different vendors and the passion and drive is what attracts me. Um, you know, so bringing those attractive and, um, you know, wanted items to the tables of all across the nation, um, it makes it exciting. You know, it's, it's almost like a, a challenge, <laughs> um, but it's it's really, really exciting to watch people enjoy themselves in our casinos, to watch them, um, you know, post things on social media about their experience um, there's nothing more rewarding than all the hard work that goes on in the background, just coming to fruition like that and, and seeing that happiness in our consumers. And especially I would imagine you get a lot of uh, joy from seeing when you're kind of discover this emerging brand and then you put it in front of your people and then it's a success and you know that you had some help in the, making that impact. Absolutely. Now, I'd like to throw this out to the group. How important is, you mentioned social media a second ago, how important is social media? And maybe share some tips that you've learned in order to maximize social media to help you grow your brands. Anybody want to take a stab at that? <laughs> okay, I'll, uh, I'll jump in there first. Um, I have a dream that someday I'll use social media just for the pure fun of social media. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't get to do that right now because it's always brand awareness related, right? And best foot forward. But like I said earlier, it's authentically. Um, you know, one of my favorite things to do when we use social media is use our behind the scenes. Here's how our product is made. Here are the people who are making it. Here's the heart and soul that goes into what we do. Um, and it's, it, it, you learn to get a thick skin too, cause you don't, you're putting yourself out there. You don't know how someone's going to respond. And luckily we've been very well supported, but, um, but it's social media. I remember when social media first really started raising its head in about 2010. And I didn't even understand the phrasing social media. Like, what is that supposed to be? And it was all about Facebook at the time. Um, and so, you know, it's just, there's so many ways you can put yourself out there or you put your product out there. Um, and each platform requires a different message because the audience is different. So I, you know, I have a real appreciation now for why you would want to have someone do that for you full time. But where I, I, I haven't gotten to that point yet because it's still my voice. It's my product. These are my babies. And I want to make sure that that is the message that's consistently shared. So that's a that's just a quick agreed social media from Laura. <laughs> agreed, agreed, agreed. I am very used to uh, speaking. I was an actor. I did commercials and voiceovers for a living. I had no idea that I would be running back to do this again on our YouTube page, on our Pinterest page, on Facebook. I, I wasn't on all of these platforms initially. But when you have a business, it's imperative that you are. So it is very time consuming. And when like, like Laura said, when you're 
bootstrapping your business and you don't have a social media person, you have to rely on doing it yourself and your customers. I have never been so grateful to strangers in my life. I don't like taking photos anymore at at 59. I don't like it. I prefer I preferred it in my 20s and 30s. But now I get photos from someone's um soccer team. I get photos from a guy going to work who's in Florida. A very cool picture. Um TMZ took photos of Brad Pitt drinking my drink. Very exciting. So things like that, that helps with social media when your customers um, are are in contact with you. That's the thing that I'm the most grateful for because I do not want to be on camera uh, every day. <laughs> I just don't. So um, when I get these photos from people, very um very grateful for a, a DJ here. He is the official DJ for the um, Dodgers, for the uh, baseball team here in um, Los Angeles. He is a huge fan of RTs, and he told all of his fans about it. And then all of those fans started purchasing it um, through here in LA and, and on Amazon and so forth. And I got so much social media presence from those people. So grateful. So very grateful for each and every person that has purchased our product, reviewed it, um, talked about it, held up a can and, you know, took a picture. So I am really big on interacting. Oops, sorry. Very big on interacting with our customers to um, engage with them and um, showcase their pictures and showcase their bar or their hotel and things like that. So, yeah, it's a lot of work. It is a full time job that I look very forward to handing over in the future. (laughs) Now, is there anything that you've learned that you can be doing proactively to encourage your super fans to, you know, share on social media. I mean, to have TMZ take a picture of Brad Pitt holding the can is a, you know, lightning in a bottle kind of thing. And I don't know if you could have planned that that way, but are there anything you can be proactively doing to encourage that level of sharing and engagement from your fans? Well, what I do is I ask them when, when they tag me, in a photo on Instagram, I message back, thank you so much. Um, May I please share this on other platforms? And most people are like, sure, yes. And especially with different um, demographics that I hadn't thought about or things that I hadn't thought about. It never occurred to me to mix our ginger tea with alcohol. Didn't occur to me. But it occurred to a whole lot of people on Instagram and they sent me the recipes and beautiful pictures. Um, the black cherry. This is the this isn't a I don't know if you can see that or not. This is our um, original sweet tea black cherry. This is really popular, very popular uh, back east and in the south. And people mix that with all sorts of alcohol that. It would have never occurred to me. So look, interact, um, engage with your customers, and you'll see. They'll tell you what they like and what their favorite is. I also uh, hadn't considered heating our ginger uh, chai, um, our chai-flavored um, tea. 
didn't occur to me to heat it and put it with um, cream. My A lot of my uh, customers do that. So you learn how your products are implemented in different households. And I, I really appreciate That's exciting to me. That's exciting that someone um, likes it and put their own spin on it, whether it's alcohol or, <laughs> or heated or whatever. I'm really grateful uh, for the interaction with our customers. And to, to um, springboard on that, too, um, when you talk about super fans, we have super partners also, right? We have our uh, one of our granolas, which is a coconut granola, used um, exclusively by a few different um, chains of uh, businesses that do acai bowls and smoothie bowls. And so they're constantly promoting everything on social media to encourage their audience. And by nature of that, they're tagging us. And so people understand that we are part of that product. And so we're able to um, enjoy exposure to their fan base and then people will end up going to buy the retail product because they want to have it in between or what have you. And by the same thing as Michelle saying that, you know, she hadn't thought about X, Y, or Z with her product. We've had chefs from around the country who have taken our products and used them in such creative ways on their menus that I never would have thought about. Uh, My favorite is one who has taken our chocolate granola and soaked it overnight in milk and then strains it, uses the base, the milk, to make ice cream and then dries out the granola and uses that as a crumble on the dessert. Okay. So what, right. So just kind of fantastic to see and to help push the boundaries where the answer isn't just a yogurt parfait or a bowl of cereal, but it's literally breakfast to dessert. These are things I've learned as a result of social media and a result of the partnerships that we have. And it sounds like you're both doing a great job in creating that human-to-human connection that, um, you know, so important in today to have that authenticity and that relationship and that level of uh, trust between the brand and the consumer is so important to differentiate yourself from maybe some of the larger players who can't really make those one-on-one connections that you're making. You know, I think that one-to-one connection is one of the reasons our product's taste better because the bigger the company gets, the more outsourced and co-manufactured and everything else, something happens in that manufacturing process that takes away from the authentic flavor of what it is you you um, originally went out to make uh, because there's some, there's some big competitors to us. I mean, huge, um, but it, you can, it, it just doesn't have that same artisan feel and flavor to it she's right laura's so right um it cheapens the product and and we've heard it before there are certain things that are will never be in my products and high fructose corn syrup is one of them under no circumstances there are certain things that big companies will use to cheapen they'll use ginger powder That's by no means as effective as organic cold-pressed ginger juice. Huge, huge difference in your body and in the nutritional value of it. So there, yes, there are cheaper ways to make everything. But um, that's one, I I know Laura, and um, that's one thing I really admire about her company as well. Um, You're not taking the cheap route. You're taking the correct route to health and deliciousness. So that's, I think that's why we get along. 
So, now, Rhonda, can you share a little bit about how uh, social media plays at Caesars? Because, I mean, you have so many brands doing so many things. It must be hard to kind of control, it seems, the uncontrollable. Yeah, I mean, it, it can be good and bad, like everyone knows. Um, and you do have to develop thick skin. But it, it's also a good... Um, it, a good information platform. So if there is a problem that, you know, we're not aware of, it's being watched and being looked at to make sure that it's not a real problem that we can fix. It's a very large corporation. So things can slip through the cracks or there could be an issue that, you know, maybe someone's not aware of. Um, you know, it's, it's good and bad. You know, sometimes you just have unhappy people <laughs> that go out there and say things that, you know, may not really be a, a valid, you know, thing, but you have to appreciate everyone's opinions and take the good from it that you can. Um, it, it's definitely something that we use a lot in marketing, um, getting all of the different activities and shows and, um, you know, specials and restaurants that are opening, um, you know, anything that's happening out there to um, our consumers. So it's great for that. And it's, it's really as damaging as you think it can be we need to know the bad stuff too. So um, you just really have to find the the good parts of that. So um, as we're getting close to wrapping here, uh, Rhonda, is there, what do you need more of? How can we help you? Are you looking for more um, kind of interesting uh, ingredients to play with at Caesars in the different restaurants? Are you looking for more chefs? Uh, what What do you need more of and how can we help? Yeah, I mean, chefs, if you're looking to, work in any of our restaurants or at Caesars Entertainment, please go on caesars.com and look at career opportunities. We are always looking for talent out there uh, for sure. Um, same thing with vendors. Please always reach out to me and I can provide Michelle and Laura, you know, I can provide you with my contact information. I'm always looking for new innovative products out there. And especially um, as Laura was explaining and, and Michelle, you know, things these chefs can play with, you know, figure out what they can come up with, with these new items. Um, it's really nice to have clean products that they can do a lot of things. And I mean, who knows, you know, your ginger tea could be in a soup. You just never, you never know what these chefs can do. Um, keep your minds open and uh, don't just walk by a, a restaurant or a side shop, a breakfast bar and think that your product couldn't belong because you never know. So, Rhonda, one more time, the website for Caesars? Uh, it's just Caesars.com. Very easy. Great. Uh, Laura, uh, what do you need and how can we help you? So, what I really appreciate is when we get an email from one of our consumers that shares that they have a market local to them in the state that they live in that they'd love to see our product in that we may not have ever heard of. So, it gives us an opportunity to find placement with another independent because similar to what Michelle was saying, you know, the, the specialty independents around the country, you know, there's such great stores. They have such a variety of products. Um, they're, they're very um, foodie driven with the products that they carry. And it's usually a really good match for us. So I really would encourage anyone listening to this. If you don't have one of our larger retailers near you to please share what your, uh, what the uh, what the local independent is, and let us know so we can share our products with them to bring to, um, to the store. And in, in and in addition to that, if there is their local smoothie shop or um, a restaurant, a breakfast restaurant, or something like that, where they know we'd be a great fit on their menu, 
let us know so we can send some samples because I think everybody deserves to have Laura's Gourmet Granola in their diet at least once during the day. So let us help you. And then the website, the best way to get a hold of you? Our website is laurasgourmet.com and you can always email us at hello at laurasgourmet.com. Michelle, what do you need and how can we help you? Agreed. Everything Laura said, those small independent stores, as well as larger chains, um, because we are nationwide already, uh, we can and we have our own manufacturing. We have the capability of uh, utilizing more stores, (laughs) I guess. That's the easiest way of putting it. Um, We are trying to focus this year, 2023, on the west coast a little more i actually have more stores in new york than i do in california i'd like to uh, even that out this year and um also i would very much appreciate sharing um with these other stores if you go in and ask we've actually gotten into stores simply because customers have said hey i want to get the vitamin iced tea. I want to get the vitamin ginger tea. So that has helped us. You'd be surprised um, just walking in and asking. And then when all else fails, Amazon, we're, we're right there waiting on you. So um, that's also an opportunity to uh, enjoy our products as well. And Michelle, the website? Our website is venicebeachbeverage.com. And you can find us at VeniceBeachBeverage.com on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, and uh, Pinterest. Good stuff. Well, thank you all for sharing your stories today. You're each doing important work, and we appreciate you. Thank you for the opportunity to share. We really appreciate it. it. Yeah, appreciate you. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time for Women in Business.